Hello, boys. It's Devon here from that podcast you love. Remember me? So this is obviously not a new episode of Kill James Bond, but in order to celebrate becoming the number one film review podcast in the UK at time of recording, we thought we would give something back to you, the loyal listener. So in preparation for our upcoming third Patreon Q&A that will be released on the bonus feed on the 8th of September, we have decided to unlock the previous two for you to listen to for free. So this is the first one. This was episode 5.5, which was recorded um, between You Only Live Twice and On Her Majesty's Secret Service uh, and released on April 25th. So obviously a few dated references will be coming up, but I really hope that you enjoy this and that I will see you on Monday for the release of the second Patreon Q&A for free. Don't say I don't do anything for you. Love you. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Hello and welcome back to another bonus episode of Kill James Bond, the podcast where we don't do the bonus voice for the bonus episode. I'm so sorry. I'm so... Well, we can... I mean... I'm already off the pod. It's a reflex now. damn it. No. No, we're not doing that here. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? That is a joke that will only make sense to patrons of Trash Future. Yes, which I I, I I hope all of you are. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, i'm coming out I, swinging today i'm in a yeah. good mood what are we doing what are we doing this week dev we are doing a q a the first of our patron q a's yeah we're gonna a some cues mm. i have got some cues and I'm nice and relaxed mm-hmm. no no italian james bonds no plasterers pretending to be spies no, no video games just it's just no, us no nanobots and you the listener just our voices directly into your ears. Just developing that parasocial relationship that oh, makes you, know you want to give us your money. Yeah, you can even you can even talk back to us now if you want. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll stop. We'll just stop tell for us a how second. Your day's Hold going. on a second. Yeah, how, how how's it going, listener? Oh, fantastic! Or oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Or potentially, I'm really not glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible that that happened. Or good, depending on what you said. You're looking interval. great today, or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're always looking great today. You're looking listen. great today. The thing is, I'm me. always so I'm always so nice to the viewers of Philosophy Tube. Like my brand is always so like. Well, I mean, it's not just a brand. That's also just like how I am. But uh, I like I like to just be nice to people and be so positive. Wow. So so maybe maybe we should take a different tactic with the listeners of Kill James Bond and just be like, just fuck you, just. Yeah, we're we're going to dom the listener. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We we are going to establish. Oh, I can't do it. I feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can. I can. We we are going to establish Mm -hmm. dominance over the over the listener and make them. Uh, well, un- ask us questions, yes. uh, which we will then refuse to answer. 
That's right. It's going to be an hour of us not answering the question. Yeah, you, you will ask us a question, and then all of us will go, that's classified. So, <laughs> these questions have come from, of course, our, patron, uh, our, pat- our patrons on our Patreon. I'm doing well already. Uh, I picked these a couple mm-hmm. of days ago, um, and I haven't thought about them since, so I'm also looking at these with very fresh eyes. Yeah, you you use the little sort of men in black flashy thing on yourself once you once you scanned them for slurs. Absolutely. Oh, I should have scanned them for slurs. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, if if there is a slur in there, you will just read it. Oh, absolutely. This is it's just <laughs> this is like a, a teleprompter. Yes, but you better not, have your finger on the bleep on the yeah, bleep top. Yeah, dear, dear, kill James Bond. <laughs> just a lot of these are actually now that I'm looking at them, a lot of these are just sincerely Ian Fleming. <laughs> Actionable <laughs> threats to sitting yeah, members of named government. persons. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah, really. Dear kill James Bond. Uh, all of my all of my posts are one hundred percent serious and not a joke. Please forward this to federal agents. Uh, yeah, weird. Cool. Um, so just I'm I'll just I'll just crack us right on, shall we? Um, oh, to start off with, Ryan Richardson asks. Is there anything that surprised you going back and revisiting these films? Actually, worse than I thought, because I remembered I remembered the Connery films as like, oh, they're problematic, like they're racist, they're sexist, whatever. I expected like Bond to like smack a girl's ass or something, or like drop a racial slur. Uh, and then we got to Goldfinger, and it's like, no, this man is a sex criminal. Uh, and that was, I, I think, all three of us were considerably more uh, mm. haunted by that than we we expected. Mm. I think yeah. what surprised me is how how much some of the plots are just fucking nonsense. Like mm. Rocket Fall Down. Rocket Fall Down, Mister Bond. It, it baffles me that a major film like Goldfinger could be made. And nobody at any point said, James Bond doesn't do anything for this whole thing. He's useless. He does nothing for the whole plot. Like, it baffles me that something like that could be made. I was also surprised by uh, by just how bad some of the special effects still are, even in the restored versions, which I've been mm. watching. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I, I'm aware that technology marches on, but I don't know how people used to look at that and think, yeah, that's fine. We'll the just have dubbing. That. Even like, you know, like boom shots, like bad dubbing. I'm like, how did there's, you ever think? There's one scene in acceptable? particular that that brings to mind with me, and it's the one in Thunderball where the the pilot is confronted by a guy who is a perfect replica of the pilot, and he opens the door, and it's just so clearly like back-projected film of him <laughs> again, and it's <laughs> so unrealistic. Yeah, there's so many hilarious. shots in all of these that like, it's it's not hugely relevant to the plot of the movie, so I don't tend to bring it up when it happens, but if there is a mirror or a reflective surface in a shot, which there will be a lot, you're going to see a camera crew every oh, time. Mm-hmm. They will just like trip mm-hmm. into the shots, uh, dialogue won't match up with people's lips moving, it's, yeah, no. They're really poorly made in a lot of ways. Like some things are just very badly lit. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I know that technology marches on, but Still, it's weird how they used to just be cool with that. Well, it's funny, right? Because, like, especially with the set design and the props and stuff, as much as I can respect, and I do, Ken Adam for making all of these sort of Baroque Connery-era Bond things, the more 
outre they got, right? The, and you can see this going right through to You Only Live Twice. The more they tried to, like, do ambitious stuff, the worse it looks. And so we get to, like, the monorail in You Only Live Twice, which just looks like a rickety oh, piece Oh, God, and it's shit. just vibrating nonstop, that <laughs> monorail. It was so funny. Yeah, the, se- the second Bond Wiggler of our series. <laughs> Oh, the wi- oh man, the Wigglers. The Wigglers good. <laughs> oh, there was another bit. There was another bit in You Only Live Twice where like in they're in the control room and the the sort of the the explosions go off that make the cat freak out. Every single control <laughs> panel in that room is flapping around because it's just particle board with a couple of switches stuck onto it. But like once you notice it, you can't not. And so going back through these with a sort of a more critical eye has been really damning. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Connery's hairpiece, for one. I don't mm. understand it. He, it seemed to be mm. getting worse as the movies went on. Like, I actually didn't notice that he was wearing a hairpiece in From Russia of Love <laughs> until Abby pointed it out. Do and, you think he got then bolder? It just got more obvious. Like, the, the, the sure. more of it had to be hairpiece to keep up. There's definitely, there's like, there's some moments where, like, he'll get in a fight or something and his hair will get mussed up or something and then in the next shot it's perfect because someone has had to come over with some like some stage glue and reattach Mr. Connery's weave. There there was a joke about that in OSS on set. Yes. Where yeah, he, there he was. wakes up in he wakes up in the hotel room and his hair's completely mussed and then he runs like one hand over it and it's just perfectly flawless <laughs> afterwards. Which we didn't yeah. bring up, but oh that was fantastic. Well Crack along, shall we? Um, yeah, next cue. I'm going to get everyone's names wrong. Probably not this one, but a couple of people's. No, just mix them all up. Say the wrong name for the wrong question on purpose. Thomas Oberhart asks, um, for everyone, which is nice because no one has specified Aww. for one of us, but a couple of people have written Aww. for everyone, which I think is nice. Mm. Uh, where, where are my four Alice cues? <laughs> <laughs> for Alice. Ma'am, can I please private message you? <laughs> uh, Where is my Thomas- Pennsylvania Secret Service card? <laughs> Don't ask about the Secret Service card. We're still working on that. I can't uh, believe that you have your DMs open. I mean, yeah, oh, no, it's-, it's because I love suffering. I I had to close yeah. mine when I got into a relationship because I was like, I can't do this anymore, man. Uh, Thomas oh, because you just asked- had too many hot people being like, Dev, Dev, please, and you were like, oh, is- sorry, I'm taken, I'm taken. Okay, that literally is the problem that I was facing. Yes. <laughs> For everyone, what is your favorite gadget, <gasps> and which is the one you think has the most egregiously specific use case? Oh, now, are you are, see, mm. this is the thing, right? You're not asking us about the whole series, because we're going to have to keep doing these Q&As. And I like that mm. we have them sort of bookending, more or less, each Bond actor's tenure. So I'm mm-hmm. choosing to sort of memory hole all of the stuff after Connery. Yeah, for the I'm Connery thinking, era, then. Yeah, what's favorite gadget? My favorite Connery gadget is the rebreather in Thunderball, where he gets two, like, it's a little thing he can bite down on, and it's got, like, two ampules, and he can just kind of breathe through that for, like, three or four minutes. And the reason it's my favorite is because, despite being extremely silly, the British military, the Royal Navy, Having somebody seen oh, this movie, I'm so glad asked, we found a chance for you to ask talk about this. Yeah, genuinely mm. asked Pinewood Studios, "Hey, 
this thing in your movie that is obviously totally real, how well does it work and where can we buy them? Because they seem quite useful. And so somebody had to explain to the fucking military, no, we made that up for our fictional motion picture about a guy who's, James Bond's not real, man, it's not a thing. And I'm just, I, I, I love to envision that conversation so much, and that's why it's my favourite gadget. I, Did you see one of the um, the British Conservative Women Twitter accounts today uh, tweeting, uh, James Bond was not black and he should not be played by a black actor. James Bond was not a real man. We, we have Bond, to protect this man. giant statue of James Bond in Parliament Square. <laughs> James Bond was like five different guys. <laughs> I would love a statue of James Bond. <laughs> I would love a sort of horrible, like, multi-faced oh. thing that looks like the thing, a statue of James Bond in Parliament Square. Yeah, we've we've got, like, one of those sort of, like, Soviet things where it's just a massive slab of granite with a bunch of austere dudes on it, but they're all of the different mm. Bonds. Yeah. Mm, so, favourite gadget. Mm, I do like... The rebreather, and I like the jetpack for similar reasons. I like oh, that it was fun. Re- like real. The jetpack is cool. Um, mm. Oh, so we haven't had the watch laser yet, have we? No, we've had the watch with the garrote in it. That was going to be was my not pick. a Bond gadget. It was, was Red Grant's gadget. The the watch with the garrote in it, I found to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have to like reset your watch after you've strangled a guy What's, with that? Well, I think the best thing about it is the way it's shot sort of implies that it's extremely difficult to use because (laughs) before Red Grant uses it in both shots, there's like a long shot just of his wrist and he's like, he has to take a step back and then pull out the garot very slowly. (laughs) And to me, that's very fun (laughs) just to imagine that it's just Mm. not a particularly effective gadget. I think my favorite is the... It might be my favorite and the one with the most egregious use case is the shoe knife that oh Rosa Klebb yeah. has. Yeah, you're right. Because I just, there's hardly any scenarios in which, <laughs> well, my hands are full, but I have to stab someone. Like, hey, take it up with the KGB. Just use a knife. <laughs> just, just use an ordinary knife. And it's envenomed as well, and you, th- you have to like bend down to apply the venom to yeah, the shoe knife. You'd be more likely just, to like cut yourself on the shoe knife, I think. Yeah, I think you would. Or or as you're taking off your shoes to damage one of them. I think either that or the the bulletproof screen at the back of the Aston Martin DB5, God, which yeah, I right. think Just we are also... Step slightly to one side. <laughs> also, isn't the rear screen. window bulletproof? Isn't that... Doesn't yeah, he say, does say that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just to avoid it being scratched, really. In do fact, no, no, and, sorry. Do try I not think to... my favourite... The most egregious use case has to be the radioactive pill in in Thunderbolt because they have already invented the tracking device that goes in his shoe. And they're like, and now we have invented a tracking device. And then later on, (laughs) later on in the Craig films that we've invented like smart blood, it's a tracking device. And it's like, you you have already invented a tracking device. It was good. Just <laughs> keep, just give me that again. I didn't think about that, but that's so fucking true. They had the shoe thing. It was a whole plot point in Goldfinger, and then they're just like, yeah, no, yeah, we've just what we've done is we've tracking devices. <laughs> what we've done is we've got this, but like it's, it's now radioactive. 
just to like mm, now it kills you. Yeah, well, this I, is I guess, why you have to have a hairpiece. I guess just it's losing like all of the hair from it. The <laughs> extremely realistic rubber masks. Like, oh, we have this, but we have just mm. apparently decided on the honor rule to never use this again. Yeah. So we have to come up with a new one. I I almost want to change my answer, because as okay. much as I like the rebreather, now that I'm thinking about Thunderbolt, I think maybe my favorite gadget is the massive piss jetpack <laughs> that, that Felix Leiter puts on Bond. Which the big underwater battle thing. Up. Oh god damn it! Where it just like he literally is is propelled forward on a on a sort of stream of massive yellow piss. I appreciate that a lot. I think that's very funny. Oh, that was good. Well, um, the gadgets are only going to get worse from here on out, folks. Oh, I'm very excited mm. for that <laughs> because I I mean going back and revisiting these films, I've only watched one Bond film before I agreed to start a podcast about James Bond. Which you know was yeah, a strange we hired decision. The most qualified part, person, which was Skyfall, mm. um, and I, I talked a little bit in Doctor No about how different Bond is in Skyfall versus Doctor No, but mm. it is it is interesting to see the way that the character has refracted throughout the years as different directors and different actors have taken on. Yeah, I'm excited to get to it's Lazenby next, isn't it? Lazenby, yes, and the then we're back to Connery. After yeah, this comes out. So I've, I've never seen the Lazenby, all the Dalton ones. Um, uh, I think I've only seen the Connery and the Brosnan and one or two moors. Abby, so we're now I getting think, into my kind of like lacuna yeah. of yeah. unknown I th- I, I Bond, think and I'm excited. You're really going to like the Dalton ones. I do. Um, mm. they, they kind of, not to leave, you know, not to sort of um, just lay stuff out before we can use it then, but like. It, they're, they're kind of dark in a way that isn't as repellent as the as the Craig ones. I find okay, so. Interesting, oh, okay. Um, well, Ian McDonald asks: James Bond is trying to learn a new move to expand his repertoire beyond heavy and light attack. What do you <laughs> okay. think would best round out his move set? Well, we see that mm. in the next film, and from Russia with Love, he gets a grapple, and that's his that's his thing. He, like he can grab a guy, and he can he can, he do, he does my favorite grappling move, uh, which is a great '60s thing of grab a guy and pull his suit jacket down around his biceps. God, yes, and that was and like once that happened, shield. totally immobilized. <laughs> this man has been taken mm. out of the equation. Suit jackets were used to be made very tough. <laughs> extremely tight suit jackets. It's, it's been a long while since I've worn like a men's suit jacket, but I I think I, I think you've got some range of motion there from just mm. wearing a jacket wrong that is not really portrayed in those movies. I think maybe some kind of disarm, some sort of like some sort of counter move and disarm Ooh, uh, would be yeah. a good one. For him, mm. or like an Assassin's Creed style hidden blade, I think would be fun. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's the shoe. Oh no, knife. no, I think some kind of distraction, like a look over there, but like, but it's James Bond, like you know. Um, <laughs> although Wait. it does remind me that if you've ever seen a, if you've ever seen the Man from Uncle uh, series of TV movies, um, which if you haven't listened, they're very funny. They're kind of like James Bond, but they're deliberately tongue in cheek. Um, they the always have a, a move. Point. Yeah, that we'll get to them. The the men from Uncle have a kind of a move where they um 
they just do like a very exaggerated karate chop right between the shoulder blades. And that just instantly renders the target unconscious and like non-lethally, uh, it doesn't do them any brain damage the way that actually knocking someone out often does. Um, it just like renders them harmlessly unconscious. And it's very, very funny um, because there's even like, there's there's a fantastic... There's a fantastic bit where where uh, Robert Vaughan, who plays the man from Uncle Heath, Napoleon Solo, he's fighting uh, just a very buff man in a gym, and he does the uncle chop on him, and it doesn't work, and he like does it two or three more times, and then he's like, ah, my hand, like it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I think an uncle chop. Yeah, well, like this mm-hmm. is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. The, you see it in Eurospy movies too, because it's cooler than punching a guy. Doing yeah. the doing the, mm, yeah. the karate chop. Doesn't Neil Connery karate chop a guy? He does. Yeah, I think he might do. He hypnotizes mm. a guy using using his Doctor Strange hand motion, and then just like <laughs> knocks him in the face. Yeah, uh, which is very yeah. good. That's what the episode art for <laughs> the Neil Connery episode <laughs> is. The I hope you're enjoying the episode art, listeners. I've been trying to go through and find mm. the funniest single frame. In every movie, and in I'm I'm really proud of the Goldfinger one, which is just the moment when Goldfinger is sucked out of the plane. Yeah, yeah the Goldfinger O face is so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. they told the actor to get it to make that face, but I wish I'd been on sex. It's so good. Girl, just imagine you're being you're being sucked off by a twink, right? And he's like, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm willing to go with the hidden blade idea, but it's the shoe knife. So he just has what like about, a very exaggerated. Okay, what about we we fully commit to the fighting game thing, and instead of as well as light attack and heavy attack, we have special attack. Well, and he needs so you have a Hadouken. See, yeah, Bond. You'll see Bond pressing light attack a bunch of times, <laughs> but the reason why is because he's charging his Hadouken, That's and right. then at the end of that, he can just like shove a guy and like yeah, Bond rockets up into the air off the stage and comes back down on you. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing about that's the thing about Bond is his recovery's not ideal. His up special doesn't take him very far, so it's it's unfortunate. <laughs> Bond and Smash. He's not very good in the meta at the moment. <laughs> the only <laughs> that's a James Bond problem. versus Donkey Kong would be a fantastic fight. I love that. <laughs> oh, we've killed Devon. Which is a shame uh, because they're the ones with the questions. Yeah, we're done for. Um, <laughs> uh, Jack, but all of these questions were like, which villain or which gadget or which which were just just about the the Sean Connerys because that was a good point yeah, you yeah, raised. Yeah. That was uh, Jack Bushell asks which villain had the best aesthetics. Goldfinger Drip King, hundred percent every time does yeah, not miss yeah. in the heat of battle. He does not miss. Correct. Goldfinger starts in this like, well, in poolside wear, in in this like unbuttoned shirt and shorts. So it's from it's from inauspicious beginnings that we then build up to the gold dinner jacket, which is just <laughs> incredible. I don't agree that the the beginnings are inauspicious because his swimwear is fully a like gold lame dressing gown and like cut really short mm. too, being a little bit slutty, mm. which I appreciate. I, I do want Bond... to give a special shout out to uh, the lady in You Only Live Twice with the black sequin dress with the uh, with the sheer capelet. That's correct. Mm. Which I have already sung the praises of on the main show. But it's special, <laughs> special which, which you will have heard by now. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's got it's got to be Goldfinger, really. Gold gun. Although mm-hmm. he is outdripped in the poolside scene by Bond. I have I have. Yes, when Bond is dressed before. as my dad. 
Yes, correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's got the, like, blue terry cloth robe on. Absolutely. He's got the baby blue mm-hmm. romper. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Towel <laughs> material. Incredible. <laughs> Just phenomenal, top to bottom. Um, Actually, I want to I wanna divert here by right. asking, doing, doing a classic PR move of answering the question I wish you had asked me. Oh, what no. about what about villain fits? Like not the villain themselves, but like the henchman, because I think that's fruitful ground to discuss. Mm. Because Doctor Nose guys are all wearing like sort of khaki safari suits, but then by the time you get into Thunderball, you're into like scuba pants and MY Disco Volante shirts, and I think that's a glow up, quite frankly. Yeah, Emilio Lago employs only perfect himbos in very tight shirts, and I think that that's phenomenal, because that's exactly what I would do if I had the <laughs> the villain budget. Gold, Goldfinger, like- Goldfinger henchmen all, like, what, blue jumpsuits, which... Uh, mm-hmm. Not they even gold. Kind of factory, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, good point, you'd think, you know. Maybe he's the only one who's allowed to wear the gold. Oh, yeah. uh, Spl- to the Spectre guys, they're just kind of in whatever, aren't they? Yeah, like grey suits. suits Bl- sure. Blofeld employs more guys wearing gold jumpsuits than Goldfinger did. Mm. And that's fucking unacceptable to me. I Red Grant always looks good, but I think that's because he is just so jacked that when mm. he puts on a suit and tie, it, it's like he's fighting the suit. And oh, it looks, it just, it's just a great look for him. Yeah, well, if we're talking about job also yeah, odd job I was going to bring up. If we're talking about henchmen that just permanently mm-hmm. look absolutely dripped, it's it's going to be odd job. Mm-hmm. All a hat, baby. Um, mm. Well, this this is appropriate for the. <laughs> we can maybe cut this question, but uh, Empress Heliogabalus, which High Queen asks, awesome. which film's combination of Bond and Bond Girl has the biggest T for T energy? <laughs> <laughs> that's, put that in. <laughs> now I I genuinely feel like the biggest T for T energy is not a conversation with Bond. It's Rosa Clev and Tatiana. In I, I'm Russia also gonna love, unlock but... this one for the entire mm. run of James Bond if there's someone with with bigger later on that I haven't seen. Um, I'm not sure. I I'm trying to think. I mean. I don't remember anyone's name. Hard to say because Bond doesn't really and Bond first of all Bond doesn't particularly come off as all that trans a character. Um, no. And secondly, given that he is like a confirmed sex criminal at least in the Connery versions, I'm reluctant to ascribe him and any of his uh victims I suppose as having T for T energy. Um so I think I'll also give it to that kind of Rosa Kleb scene I, I even though that, maybe, that is also kind of predatory yeah maybe predatory. maybe the answer here is still you only live twice and it's the the woman in the in the sort of capelet in the sequin dress sort of menacing him with the knife i think that's potentially quite t for t it's also bond getting switchy energy for a second i think we even yeah that's true yes no, that is true. interesting we to be fair we even flagged up during the from russia of love episode that that scene did have T for T energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a deeply, that was such a, I think of all the scenes we've seen so far, that one has stuck with me the most because it's it, weird. It seems so much like something so alien. I mean, just be, being a, a trans woman living in Britain now and being like, fuck, like that's, that's what they say about us. Like, and here it is. Mm. You know, 40, I'm, 50, I, I, longer I get ago? That, it's so like, bizarre. 
I get that, but also like a TFW no Rosa Kleb GF vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't find Rosa Kleb particularly attractive, but I mean, you know, <laughs> whatever. It's the principle of I the mean, thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you can have the principle if I can have Tatiana. <laughs> but then my my weakness for uh, for blondes is well documented. <laughs> and, and and the choker, which really like yeah, she's she's not a villain, so that doesn't oh. get into that question. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If you're gonna ask me best fit, just the scene where she's just in the choker. That's honestly, yeah, simple, understated. Mm. Just a says choker. everything Hard it needs to, mess to that do. Up. Yeah, that mm. that is a, that is a necklace that is fully like I am. I am about to try and have sex with you. It has no other mm-hmm. sort of sartorial purpose. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, this is one I'm gonna fuck up. Jesus, um, I can't even see this because it because Gregor Brenchistijevich asks. <laughs> Shut up. Emil Agardiovbjerg asks, uh, "Why do I keep listening to this podcast when I have seen somewhere about two Bond movies?" Because you can watch along with us and learn and mm. hate. It's like Duolingo, but for misogyny. Yeah, this this is one I wanted to bring up because I think it gives us some opportunity to be like. <laughs> I was just—I was just gonna try to keep Sorry. going. <laughs> I also just, clocked it, but I, really I was like, tickled. "It's time I'm, to just." I'm really tickled by the idea of someone downloading an app to try and learn to be more misogynist. <laughs> ah, ten rules for life. Have a little lesson every week. <laughs> oh, I like that. A little owl that gets mad at you if you don't yeah. do misogyny often enough. The word of the day is bitch. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Duolingo in Polish. <laughs> yes, sure. I, I I thought it would be a, a useful question for us to sort of talk about w- what we think the appeal of the podcast to even be from a from an objective. Oh no, I just like talking with my friends. That's that's sort of where mm. I was at. But I also I had I I thought to myself that we have a specific audience in mind, and it's mm. it is people who have seen. Bond films, not all of them, maybe uh, just one or two, and they've either they saw it when they were younger, and their politics have evolved past that point, and they now find it difficult to go back to, for reasons that mm. we help to sort of uh, analyze and put into words. Or this is just for people who like Bond, and mm. and which first of all, if you yeah. like Bond and you're here, hi, uh, you might be well, lost. This is my, my my sort of more my less flip answer is that this is basically just free therapy for me. I am I am deprogramming mm. myself out of the kind of uh, masculinity that Bond and especially later Bonds present. Uh, so it's it's a good mm. opportunity for me to sort of exercise some uh, some British public school ghosts here. Yes, I mean I agree with you there. We talked about that a lot in the in the first episode. Uh, yeah, for me, I think it fulfills a similar function. Um, and I do genuinely think that the Bond films are are culturally interesting, not to just repeat what I said in the first episode, but I think yeah. when they're bad, they're bad in interesting ways that are sort of worth talking about. I was chatting about this yeah. um, the other day to uh, uh, Mrs. X, who is a friend of the show, um, who was saying, so why have you started a podcast um, about James Bond? And I was explaining, well, I think they're culturally interesting um, bits of media that kind of say a lot about about our country. Um, and I our think society. given about our society, we live in one. Um, 
especially at this particular time in British history. To try and um, bring society back in one piece, 007. Exactly. And sure. I think now is a particularly fruitful time to look at uh, to look at Britain and the media that we create. Especially now that we're back to doing sort of flag-fucking Britishness in all political discourse. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, exactly, the conservative exactly women I mean. tweet that you bring up is so, yeah, is so apt, because now we're, mm. it, we've moved from people who convinced themselves that they fought in World War II to a generation that now convinced themselves that they lived the plot of the Connery Bond movies. <gasps> Just Keir Starmer being like, I welcome the actions of Mr. Bond in tackling Spectre, but I do feel that he could have gone further and caused greater <laughs> radiation damage to the Caribbean. <laughs> Well, I welcome Mr. Grant's decision to try and garrot me with uh, with his watch, but I call on him to do more by opening this case. Fantastic. Uh, well, actually, to be, I, I might I might jump board off this this discussion oh, to Adam Ferris. I think I've slightly reworded this. Sorry, Adam. Uh, he asks: Since James Bond villains are all based off the current cultural zeitgeist, what kind of a villain do you think we are in for in the next movies, considering the current? Oh, that's interesting. I know he's a trans woman. Oh, that's going to be impossible to it. Hold on, hold on. I'll just, I'll I'll make this worse for Nate. Trans women. Yeah. So there is, in fact, one Bond film that does have a trans woman in. There's one Bond film that does have a trans woman in. I will flag it up up when Mm -hmm. we get to it. Um, She's she's not a major character in it. Um, But I think. Uh, reflecting Back the in the 60s cultures, when models well, could just be like, yeah, you have a trans model and they're like, wow, isn't science amazing? Yeah. I got um, it, boys. Well, it's, interesting that, the, anyway. it's interesting that the James Bond movies now are kind of trying to, we'll get to this when we get to Craig, but they're kind of trying to be superhero films. Um, so bit, the yeah. bad guys, I think, are getting more and more generic. I mean, we'll have to see what uh, what No Time to Die does when we do get to it. Um, but certainly Blofeld is much more like a low-key type figure. He's not really tracking any sort of cultural zeitgeist. The Bond films now are just trying to repeat whatever's in popular culture. Um, and it's interesting mm. that even in the Brosnan era, we never really got a kind of war on terror Bond. No, uh, I want I to think, talk about this when we get to Brosnan. Yeah, we never, I think, we never got uh, like the kind of true lies. The closest Bond. you got was the uh, the remake of Goldeneye or. The Nintendo Wii, which you brought up in the Goldeneye episode. The yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite... about to bring that up. Hey, look yeah. at us. All right, I'll let you do it then. I'll shut Tre- up. Trevelyan, I was about to say, you were great. Um, yeah, when the, the Goldeneye oh. Wii game in which Trevelyan has been radicalized by the financial crash, that I think is possibly one of the most interesting moments of the James Bond franchise in Toto. Um, but as for current cultural zeitgeist, I mean, I guess some kind of like... Uh, in fact, you know what would be a very, very obvious one? If there was like Extinction Rebellion dialed up to a thousand, so they're like international eco-terrorists. God, we're just yeah. prefiguring each other right now. I was just about to say, there's <laughs> been a little bit of an uptick in yeah. eco. Fuck, this is great. There's another yeah. question. It's, it's like, almost, why it's did we like start good to- a podcasting together. It's quite nice, isn't it? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, there's sort of an uptick in eco-fascists as villains, and you saw that in, yep. maybe not in... Strictly the most recent years, but uh, Quantum of God's, Solace, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, actually is one that has a remarkably like 
anti-extinction rebellion kind of a dint to it for no mm. real reason. Um, and also, I, you can look at like the current series that's airing on Disney Plus, Captain America's one. What's it called? Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm. for whom the villains are a group of ostensibly just like anarchists. Um, mm. So you can sort of see the direction the zeitgeist is the going. Flag smashers, yeah. We're a small group yeah. of reactionary yeah. terrorists. No, I, flag I, I, smashers I, I versus of, flag fuckers, baby. Let's go. I, <laughs> I sort of have an answer to this, which is that like. I tend to think in terms of in terms of the Bond movies as being a bit of a system, right? In that you get a, a Bond actor, and then they they put their own particular spin on the role, and the script put their own particular direction on it. But the longer they do them, not only do they get tired and older, but like the scripts get sort of more and more baroque, and so they start out being relatively grounded, and then you get mm. to the weird stuff. Uh, and people kind of cut loose and get both a little bit more creative, but also a little bit more unmoored from reality and a little bit more fantastical. But I haven't seen that happen with the Craig movies. And that interests mm. me so much because what you'd expect to see by this point is a sort of a Daniel Craig die another day. Like Daniel Craig is going to be fighting a guy on top of a moving plane or something. It's not happening, mm. both because he doesn't sort of want to do it, but also, I think, because they're running out of ideas and it's turning backward. And so we're just bringing back more things. We're bringing back, uh, isn't it going to be interesting to talk about this character that already exists, like Blofeld or like M or whatever? Mm. And I think that that kind of folding in on itself, I don't know what that means for the future. And I mean, we're getting a new Bond after this next movie, so it may just totally go back to that pattern. But for now, for the next mm. one, I have no fucking clue. It's almost as if uh, yeah. we have no future I and nostalgia we'll... is collapsing. <laughs> it's, it's as yeah. if we, we live in some kind of vampire castle from which we are trying Impossible to escape. to know if there's a word for that, though, so we can just crack on. It's not. Yeah. There isn't, uh, as you know. Um, I think we'll get more... It, in, in, summer, in summarizing my answer to the question, I think we will get more cartoonish representations of either uh, left-wing environmental activists or communists and anarchists, but crucially, I don't think they will be described as that. I don't think we'll say, yes, these people no. believe in a classless society and they want to, and no, it'll be like ridiculously fucking cartoonish. Um, just because they don't even yeah, want you to know I, what I'm, communism I, is. Mr. Bond, I'm trying well, to blow up this satellite because I hate Britain. Well, Why? you say that, <laughs> but the, the, not to pull back... To the, the the flag smashers, which is still such a such a name. <laughs> Mr. They Bond, they call it normal island. Like they're introduced with a sentence like they want a borderless, classless society. Um, Ooh, and and the next line might as well be just like, sounds good, right? No. Actually it's bad. <laughs> but they're mm. they're actually represented quite flat. It's it's not as hammed up as possible. They're it's, oh, it's it's a classic thing, and you can listen to some video essays by Kay and Skittles if you want to know more about it. But it, it's it's just like, we have an ideology that we don't like, but also if we try to represent it too, um, oh, what's the word for faithfully, then People suddenly might we start to realize yeah. that actually, wait, they, maybe they have a point, so we have to just make them the people who want it interpersonally bad. And they did this in Marvel. Mm -hmm. They did it with the, the Black Panther movie where Killmonger mm -hmm. is 
basically right, but he's also implied to just be like a bit mean interpersonally, so he has to die, and all of the points he brought up that were completely valid are just sort of pushed to the side. And they do that. Yeah, and then in, in the, the next Marvel general films, election, Black Panther well. just starts stealing from his manifesto. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Okay. I, I, got a, I, got I welcome a... Killmonger's decision to steal back the treasures from the British Museum, but I call upon him to do more. Well, I mean, I got a, uh, a leaflet through the mailbox today for the Conservative Party in the local elections, and one of their pledges is high-speed broadband for everyone, which is strange. I wonder where they got that. Broadband um, communism? Question. Impossible broadband to know. Broadband communism? <laughs> Where are you going to get the money for yes, that Mr. one, Bond. Jeremy? My evil, oh, wait, plan, my evil plan, Mr. Bond, <laughs> is to build half a million affordable homes. <laughs> oh, to be fair, new builds do suck shit completely, though. Um, anyway. Actually, to be honest, to this, is, this, is something I've, um, uh, this is something I was considering the other day, is if, if, I, if I was put in charge of writing the next Craig Bond film, I thought it would be really cool... Uh, this is just me now, just like f- doing Bond fan fiction. Eon Productions, was, Abby can be reached at... You have a soapbox. Yeah. I have a soapbox, let's do it. I think it would oh. be good to um, say that the villains are Spectre, but Spectre is a British government uh, department, and what they're going to do is they're going to combine MI5 and 6 and essentially privatise it into Spectre, Special Executive for Counterterrorism and uh, Rendition Emergencies. And then they're basically just going to like sack Bond and M and everybody and just like privatize the whole thing. But Spectre is the cool name that they're giving it to like sell it to home counties' dads. The, uh, um, the, the plot S- of, um, I believe, I believe that's the plot of the film Spectre. <laughs> the Daniel Craig one. <laughs> the S in Wait, no, it's not because Spectre's a criminal Spectre. organization in that. Sure, it's but no, like Spectre's the, still a criminal organization. No, in that. Spectre is still the criminal organization, but the plan is to collapse MI5 and 6 into the, I think they call it the Nine Eyes Initiative to parody the Five Eyes Initiative in the real life that involves laying hey. off Bond. So it's actually, you're actually mm. pretty much on it. Um, oh, well, all right, I interrupted. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I interrupted Alice just now. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, the, the S in G4S stands for Spectre. All right, thank you. Well, <laughs> I went back to you. Circo, uh, the special executive for revenge counteroperation. <laughs> I love that extortion is one of the things in Spectre. <laughs> oh, I like how out. even Bond takes the piss out of it when he first hears mm. it, and like no offers him a job, and he's like, "Yeah, can I be in the revenge department, please? <laughs> you fucking idiot." Um. Would you say that Bond films are... Uh, Pretzel asks this, by the way. Would you say Bond films are getting better or worse as time goes worse. on? 100% worse. 100% worse. Folding in on themselves. Yeah, worse, just, and it's mm-hmm. also like measurable if you look at the box office adjusted yeah, to 2005 dollars. And again, I want to sort of compare Dalton and Craig here, and I'm actually the only one who's seen both, but um, th- there's like... To me, the Dalton films prove that you can take Bond in sort of a darker or grittier or more realistic or whatever direction, right? Uh, they don't have the sort of ambient unpleasantness of the war on terror that has sort of seeped into Bond so that even though we never got our sort of our true lies kafir wearing villain, it's still en- it's enough of the sort of like interpersonal uh, rot of something like a Zero Dark Thirty in Bond now, 
that really makes him so sort of uninspiring to watch, I find. Mm. I think they are getting worse because I think that Daniel Craig, again, we will get to this, but he did try to do something very interesting with the character that has, I, I think the, the nature of the movies and the fact that they have to keep making them is working against him. Um, so we will talk more about this when eventually in a year's time when we get to Daniel Craig. But I think he tried, certainly in Quantum of Solace, to do something interesting with Bond, and it just, he had like, like fighting the studio and it didn't work. Generally, yeah, I, I find it to be a bad sign for a film franchise when your lead actor says that they would rather slit their wrists than play the role again, and you have them play mm. it again two more times. I... Now, yeah, there's certainly something you could maybe unpack about that. <laughs> it's probably not. Well, it's probably not. It's probably fine. Didn't Craig say that because it was just so like physically exhausting? Oh yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. partially that's like we're not really we're we're kind of expecting actors to do more of their own stunts, especially for like a macho role like Bond. Yeah, but, and like I think Tom and, Cruise and the stunts is the that one we're getting them to that. do. Yeah, and the, the stunts that we're getting them to do are more perilous and more death-defying all the time. Even mm-hmm. though there's not really any reason mm-hmm. for that to be so, as we get better yeah. at CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a sentient mongoose asks, in your own words and without sources, what is hauntology? No. Next question. I refuse oh, to answer this question. Sorry, I sort of threw that in as a joke. Anyway, uh, Junebug asks, Read a what fucking are your thoughts- book! Junebug asks, what are your thoughts on the works of Mark Fisher, in particular about how they might apply to phenomena like the recent wave of 80s nostalgia? Don't know, never read it. Next. That's absolutely right. Read a fucking book. (laughs) Just read Mark Fisher. Um, Who? Now, here's one. This is uh, a question from Paint McCalla, who is one of our patrons at the level, which means we are honor-bound, duty-bound even, to ask this question. Oh, boy. For, it's also a good question, which is nice. Um, yeah. For everyone, thank you. Uh, you have been cursed and must now reside in the body of a Bond character of your choosing. And that's not literally any not of them. a curse. Q, I'm Bond, fighting Abby Bond for girl. Tatiana here. Ooh. Oh, damn it. You did go that out first. Uh, uh, Jules, easy. Well, Alice, yeah, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll, I'll let you have Tatiana. I'll, I, I will take. Um, Oh fuck! Let's see. Well, I mean, residing within it is not the first thing I'd like to do to the body of Tatiana. Good lord! Residing in that body, I fucking mean. I'm gonna get a spray bottle like you get for cats. Um, no, okay, fine. Uh, Earliest, (laughs) earliest source of gender dysphoria. Uh, Fucking uh, Lupe Lamora from The Living Daylights is my answer. Cannot possibly. And what if you Um, resigned yourself to only, uh, only ones we've already seen? Only ones that we've... Fuck. Okay. Um, Odd job, then. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> Not you, me. No, I know. I get to answer I, this question also. <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck. No. Okay, skip me. I'll come come back to me. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. Uh, I'm That's thinking, is there anyone I would rather than Tatiana? Who else have we had? What other Bond girls have we had? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a no, fuck, I marry, think kill, she would definitely... kill is always James Bond. All right, I got yeah. my answer. It's um, yeah, it, it's on. one of Pussy Galore's pilots. 
like not Pussy Galore herself mm. necessarily, but like yeah, what what one of her like uh one of her various plane piloting plane subs. Circus. Yes. Pussy like Galore's flying circus, that's me. No, I think I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains and I can't come up with anything anything better than Tatiana, I'm afraid. Completely fair. Um, Again, spray bottle is Alice is brandishing the spray bottle at me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so DK Jones asks if you could do like a villain's perspective type of production, like Wicked Joker or the upcoming Cruella for a Bond villain. Does it have do to reckon? be a musical? Yes. <laughs> and I'm Goldfinger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Fuck. That's a good question. Actually, it's really good. I'm happy with that one. Um, so we can't just <laughs> use James Bond as the villain. We can't. Well, James. No. I mean, James Bond will be the villain in the the show, maybe, but it's like mm-hmm. a, a villain's mm-hmm. perspective, kind of a thing, like Maleficent mm. or whatever. Uh, Emilio Lago. I want to. I want to hear his patter song about his sharks. <laughs> <laughs> if we're allowed to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if we're allowed to choose someone we haven't already seen. Baron Samdi would be an interesting one. But if we are oh, confining yeah. ourselves to villains that we've already seen, I think Odd Job is a bad idea because I don't think there's actually that much to him. No, also um, he doesn't speak. He just, he just look fucking. Exactly. He just. Well, yeah, that, I think it's a mistake to give him a voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, La- Largo is the move here. He may, Largo's a good one, but I would rather, I think, just pick out a random henchman who starts Vargas. working for Dr. No and Not then ends Vargas. up... <laughs> who starts working for Dr. No and... We then, finally find out what he does. <laughs> he sings. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vargas, he does not uh, eat, he does not drink, he does not fuck. What do you do, Vargas? Vargas sings! And he just goes. I would follow one henchman through, uh, through all of the different villains working under all the different villains, trying to stop James Bond the entire way. Um, and trying to kind of just like be a work a day, punch clock henchman. Hench the musical. Yeah. Hench the musical. Yeah. Okay. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I'm on board if, with this. If you, need, if you need any help writing the script mm. for that, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> yeah, wait, let's actually do this. <laughs> okay. That's yeah, too that's good an idea. idea. Cut all of this. Patent pending. Patent pending. Do not use this idea. <laughs> Original <laughs> idea. Right, do not one. steal. Do not steal. Do not steal. Um... <laughs> We're racking through these. Um, so here's one, one of the more personal ones. Uh, oh boy. Don't worry. Uh, how did you three meet and what made you decide to start a podcast? And that's asked by Ian Manley. I have a very boring origin story for every podcast that, I, that I'm on. And it is simply that I get bored and I am unable to help myself. And so I will just be like, Yo, do you want to start a podcast at whatever fucking pot plant or lamp or anything else is in the room with me? And when none of them reply, I will start DMing people on Twitter who I think are funny. And I'll be like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And some of them go for it. And when they do, it rules. So that's my answer. That's that's how we, we decided to do this. Uh, I think technically we have never met. So Alice and I have definitely never met in any capacity, and depending on which metaphysical theory you subscribe to, neither have neither have Dev and I. Um, Uh, So we've we've never even been in the same room, the three of us, and we will do someday. Uh, We will all have the blinds down over our faces, like the 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 members of Spectre. But uh, yes, in a past life, I met Abby in a past life. 
um, which is the cold yeah, open to the story. previous episode. Yeah. Yes. Um, I how, think in terms of my memory of how the podcast started was that, Alice, you you tweeted out that you wanted to start a James Bond podcast. Yeah, as like an open invitation. And you were closeted still. Yeah. Yes, I was. I was still closeted. So I messaged you and was like, hey, when I come out, because I just have a lot of opinions about James Bond. Um, yeah. And I thought, yeah, go on, that'll be fun. Like to just like shit post with Alice every now and then. And yeah. then I think and we I mentioned like, it in the TF group chat and Dev was like, yeah, I think I want to do that too. And we're like, yeah, go on, Dev, let's, let's get you on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mentioned a friend of the show, Riley, has said before the the perfect amount of hosts for a podcast is three, and I was like, hey, That's you know, true. if only you knew a third mm, yes. person. And I <laughs> yeah, do you know a third? Quietly person? inserted myself into it, and we were already. I'm so in glad you did a yeah. group chat as well, the three mm. of us together. Um, yeah, because we we mm. had assisted with sort of Operation Transgender. Yeah, um, we were part of the mission yes. control team. Uh, for <laughs> to, yeah, to help me out. Yeah. yeah so so yeah, we, we're that's, so that's the, the reason why if you chat. saw yeah if you Absolutely. saw that original tweet of mine that was like yo does anyone want to start a James Bond podcast and then immediately after that being like well never mind see you in a year uh, that's why <laughs> it's because you asked it and yeah. people were like uh huh yes Yes, and Abby was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I was like, holy shit, I really enjoy Philosophy Tube, and I think she would be really funny. So, yeah, let's <laughs> You were like, let's whoa, is that. that Abby from Philosophy Tube? Yeah, I was like, yo, is that Abby you from never Philosophy met Tube? never unaware of each other. <laughs> no, 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 um, we were definitely aware of each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's really the the way that like our friendship, three of us, or at least on, on my end, that's that's where our friendship solidified. Yeah, was was... Was because, well, I mean, to get a little bit, to get a little bit personal, I've talked about this a little bit before in interviews and so on. But when I was coming out, I couldn't access trans spaces in public, um, because I get recognised, and I couldn't access uh, trans forums and so on online because they were full of people speculating about me or sharing screenshots and so on. And I accept that that's like that comes with my job and that's fine. So I had to turn to to trans people who I like, some of whom I knew closely, and some of whom. Like Alice and Dev, before I came out, I like didn't really know you that well. Like we were aware of each other, but I remember Alice. Actually, you were one of the first people I really reached out to when I was like, mm. "Hey, uh, I I think this is happening," um, and because I because I I knew I a I knew I trusted you to be discreet, and also I knew oh. that you would be like fucking real with me because you've got that energy of like someone yeah, who like I, doesn't I, fucking bullshit. I, I, I simply you know? posted back, "Lol." For the presence of, for the, yes, for the benefit yes, of the audience, do you know how discreet <laughs> Alice was about this? Her husband didn't even find out until Abby yeah. said it was okay for him to know. Uh, I practiced some yeah, yeah. major fucking opsec on this, this one. She was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I oh, met. She's a fantastic secret keeper. I met Abby <laughs> through the, the Trash Future podcast. We'd been on a couple of streams together mm. and uh, ended up just getting put in the same uh, group chat. And I have literally no idea how I met. Um, Alice. <laughs> no, that's like lost mm. to like the mists of time. Yeah. It's um, like we've 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 known each other forever, which is not true, but it is on a sort of metaphysical level somehow. Absolutely. And I mean I mm. we I definitely was a lobby on Twitter um in like 2015, 2016. We were, we were mutuals on Twitter yeah, at yeah. least three or four screen names ago. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And what's so. what's phenomenal about this um, as it is, and obviously if you're a patron, you're aware that people give us money to do this. Um, and what's great about that is that I've been able to mentally reframe 
my five to six years of posting shit like come hashtag shitballs or like <laughs> I I would absolutely suck off Tony the Tiger posting shit like that. I can just reframe that mentally as networking. Yeah, um, employment training. You know what? It's gone 100%. great for me. So- <laughs> and now you have an account which you can simply log into and tweet Jane Bonds. And- <laughs> which I've done a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes I'm just thinking about Jane Bonds and I'm like, Thinking guy. about those bonds. Uh, it James is really bond? nice to have an account that we can shitpost from. I like that. Because <laughs> mm. mm. you can always just claim it was me if you do something egregious yeah. on the account. But I think that's one of the things I love about this podcast. It is always me. I, I really like the thing yeah. that I, the joke that I set up when I did the Twitter account for this, which is that it follows one person. And the one person that it follows is James Bond at 007. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, or possibly fortunately, depending on uh, how you value these posts, uh, at 007 posts a lot of promotional James Bond stuff. And, like, Mm. of course, it's the only account we follow. So if you log into that account, you're going to see them wishing, you know, wishing you a happy Easter from James I Love Easter Bond. And so it's tremendously easy to just quote tweet (gasps) that and be like, Yo, what if James Bond was shitting out of his doo-doo ass or whatever and get like 50 faves? Yeah, it is good. It's a good, it's a good content mill. Also, I've I've got mm. a couple of tweets that are just like scheduled to post at some point in like July oh or August. Um, so look forward They're to that. They're just slurs. No slurs. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> no, one of them in particular is... Unless you get this activator this. key off of my largest henchman, the scheduled tweet will post... <laughs> yeah, it's just the username and password for the account. Um, no, one of them is just like, peop- a lot of people ask us, you know, are we friends in real life as well as doing the podcast? No, this is a purely sexual relationship. And that's going to come out, I think, the 7th of July. So look forward to that. Um, <laughs> no, Why we, the 7th of July? Why? I don't know. I just sort of picked a time in the future. I guess it's 0077, yeah. Mm. Uh, look at me. Um, anyway, so uh, three more questions. We'll just right, let's crack on through them. First one here being uh, a couple of people asked this, so I don't have a specific name. Sorry. Uh, but if you were a Bond villain, what would your evil plan be? And uh, I picked this because I have an answer. Mr. Bond, Ooh. unless you retrieve the exploder key from my largest henchman, Big Niels. Uh, the the estrogen will enter the city's water supplies at precisely midnight. I mine is a space based one. I would, and I've said this several times on the TL. I would cause a Kessler syndrome, yep, and shut the sky for at least a generation, just because <laughs> I think there's a lot of people. I've worded that like that I was sky. doing a call-out post, but I'm talking about like Jeff <laughs> Yo, Bezos. Uh, yeah, some of my mutuals. <laughs> Je- like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, the two richest people in the world, both of them are pumping a lot of money into space travel. And, and you're going to lock that gone, door and keep so, them all here with us. I think the concept of being able to do an off-world colony is used a lot as a sort of crutch to get away with not doing everything we can to make Earth habitable. 
is Planet to have B. that sort of pie mm. literally in the sky strategy of, oh, maybe we can have like a Mars colony with indentured servitude, or maybe we can have like a moon colony or a space colony or whatever. I, I think that that is inherently bad for us as a species to even have as a possibility. So I would fucking crash mm. some shit into the ISS. Sorry about the astronauts. <laughs> you know, you do your best. No, no, that's and- my thing. <laughs> I would do something to a fucking ISS. I would set off a Kessler syndrome, like impact after impact, like in the movie, uh, what's it called? Gravity? Um, yes. Um, and just make it impossible to get into space without getting shredded by debris for at nice. least 100 years uh, before the orbits decay and it falls back to Earth and you can go again. No more space. I thought about, yeah, no more space. No more mm. bottom of the ocean either. Fuck everything that isn't <laughs> land. <laughs> You're going to create Up a fish down, Kessler no. syndrome. I can't stand it. I think uh... <laughs> just Dev looking at the state of humanity, and I was like, "This has too many Z levels." <laughs> yeah, we need to be moving in two dimensions only. <laughs> Left and right, that's it. Um, I think uh, you can maybe sell me on interesting... and backwards, but it's going to be a tough one. <laughs> I think so it would be an ahead. interesting plot of a Bond film to uh, have the villain do something bad in the service of good ends. So I, I think like, so for instance, uh, steal a few nuclear weapons, but then instead of selling them, being like, okay, I am going to blackmail the governments of the world uh, with these nuclear weapons. You are going to give everyone free housing and free healthcare. And like, mm. I think that would be very, very interesting to have, to have James Bond being like, oh, well, should I morally actually stop this? Because on the one hand, it's like very, very bad. And the more the more you make the villain aware of that, the more you have your villain being like, look, I am aware that I am overriding democratic governments here, but like this is an emergency and this needs to happen. Um, I think that would be a very interesting plot of a Bond film with Bond being like, actually, like I don't, I actually agree with, fully agree with the ends here. Um, I welcome I, how, Mr. What? Blofeld's commitment to nuclear <laughs> no. weapon use against a major yeah. city. Yeah, I think Bond that would Starmer. genuinely be genuinely quite interesting. And and there's no, I don't think that's ever going to happen because the only way you would ever be able to resolve that with in a, in a James Bond film as we know them would be for it to be revealed that it's a ploy and that actually they're doing something else selfish with it. Um, yeah, exactly. It would be. It would but be like, I think actually, if, you, if you really genuinely know. had a villain commit to that, I think that would be like a really interesting question. Yeah, for because, like, if, if you resolved that in the sort of the logical way, it wouldn't be a Bond movie. It certainly wouldn't be a Bond movie as we know them, because it would be Bond acting in the way that a sort of an agent of the British state acts already in real life. You just have, you know, <laughs> like B- Bond, uh, you know, coming out from behind a corner and, and, and you know, shooting a guy who's going to invent cold fusion or whatever is not <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not mm. that different from the shit we admit to doing already. Mm. Which... Let me tell you, maybe we're just like logged into the same brain space here, but actually that fully brings up me onto my second to last question here from Kale Stuffs, who asks, are there any real world periods or events that you would have loved to see someone try to base a James Bond plot on? How, look how nicely that dovetails. Oh. Operation Northwoods. Ooh. Operation Legacy. What's that? Operation Northwoods was a sort of a provocation plan by the CIA to overthrow the government of Cuba by doing literal false flag terrorist attacks in their name. Huh. Mm. 
the CIA was going to stage and commit acts of terrorism against American targets, military and civilian, and be like, yes, we are the Cuban government doing this in order to justify a war against Cuba. Really? Wow. I have so many things I, mean, I, I shouldn't say be surprised. 9-11 now, um, but I'm not going to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do try and bring the World Trade Centers back in one piece, 007. 007, do try to a leave real... the black box in one piece. A real, mm, a real event that James Bond. I'm just gonna keep na- I, w- while you think. I'm gonna keep naming actual fucking deep states. Operation Ajax, God, the uh, the Anglo-American overthrow of Mohammad Mossadegh, the uh, the elected prime minister of Iran. I think this is something that that comes up a lot, and this is barely James Bond related, and this is just me using the the platform that I have been given by my dear friends who are larger than me uh, to just be like left wing conspiracy theories. Basically, Look, I, to a man, are just things that have actually happened. Like things much. like Northwoods, things like trying to overthrow Mothadi. Um, uh, something historical. I think like James Bond versus the Paris Commune would be interesting. Um, James Bond following Karl Marx around London would also be quite fun. Oh, um, the plot of the video game Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to synchronize at the top of his tower in order to unveil more of your <laughs> mini-map, 007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Um, I don't have one. Well, do I have one? Shit, I was too busy listening to you and Alice to actually mm. think Histor- of one Historical myself. events mm. that would be interesting to Dev have. Dev listens to women when we speak, and that's why we love them. That's right. Thank so much. Dev is, um, Dev is a true ally. <laughs> I am a trans ally. That's right. Uh, just an ally in general, you know. I'm I'm friends with many people, except mm. uh, you, listener. Sorry. Um, just want to be very clear. Don't get attached. I I do not read the replies to any of my tweets. Um, I think. I mean, there's. It's not a specific one, but I think. Oper- I mean, Operation Legacy is the one that comes directly to mind. Mm. Oh, I don't mm. imagine it would be easy to to build a plot around it. Um, Operation Legacy. Yeah. Oh, you'd have who, the bad who, who, guys who are trying underwear. to publish this sensitive information bond, and you have to go yeah, and that stop have, them. And yeah, o- oh. o- Operation Legacy was a, a project of the Secret Intelligence Service (MI6) and uh, the then uh, Colonial Office. That's right. Uh, in order to, as Britain withdrew from colonies that gained independence, destroy any trace of files of all of the stuff we did. So that oh. the governments that had becoming independent wouldn't get hold of them. And one of we, those. We burned files and then we dumped the ashes at sea, if you want to know how serious we were about this. One of those in particular is the, the history mm-hmm. of concentration camps uh, that we had set up. We, not. Personally, Jake Kill James Bond uh, podcast, but like the British government had set up <laughs> in uh, Kenya, which is still quite tightly guarded. They declassified documents about it somewhat recently in the last like 10 to 20 years. But if you ask the basic man on the street, they would be completely unaware that we, in fact, ran concentration camps in Kenya, in mm. the Boer, in um, India. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so it's so striking about like the criminality of empire that a lot of people's sort of abiding memory of the day that their country gained independence was a massive plume of smoke from the British High Commission 
totally inexplicably. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who is... I think, again, that would make a very interesting plot of a Bond film if Bond was told that you must track down this very sensitive information that we believe may have come to light. Um, And it's so secret, Bond, you're not even allowed to know what it is. And when Bond eventually does track down the file and opens it and reads it, he finds a list of colonial atrocities. Um, Mm. That, I think, would be... That would be a great, like, act two twist, like... um, uh, But, of course, we won't do that. That's that's a very mickey in vietnam uh thing um in fact actually specifically i have a uh a friend from the gambia who recently posted about their independence day and i was like uh, who did you who did you get independence from their pal and he was like your queen the current queen the sitting queen we yeah, same independence lady wrong. I'm like, woohoo! Oh my god! How are you doing? Oh my god! No, no, no! I know, I know my answer. I know my answer to the question of what, what real world thing do I want James Bond involved in? So, if you want a, a fucking measure for how recent this shit was, the sitting current queen is the one that a lot of these African nations uh, gained independence from. Anyway, yep. sorry, go right ahead. Sorry, I cut you off because I got so excited no, no by problem. the possibility of James Bond having to cover up Prince Andrew's alleged sex crimes. <laughs> <laughs> How much of this can we use? Hang on. Allegedly. <laughs> but it, it has Alleged, been alleged. <laughs> and then Bond's like, wait a, Bond's like, wait a minute, I've done half of this shit. Like, this isn't a crime, is it? And I was like, yes, it is. Bond, it's called the Federal <laughs> Correctional Institution in Manhattan. His name is Jeffrey mm. Epstein. Bond, we're going <laughs> to need you to infiltrate... <laughs> <laughs> now look here, 007. An ordinary hyoid bone. However, <laughs> he's looking at the alleged list of of alleged sex crimes that um he that Prince Andrew has allegedly done, alleged by someone else, not even by me. It was it, it it's out of my hands completely. I've just read it on the internet. I'm reproducing it here, um, and just being like, damn, that's crazy. This guy can't sweat. Amazing. Like <laughs> yeah, totally, totally psychosomatically induced case of anhydrosis. No, it's I, called I, okay, psychosomatic got, anhydrosis, 007. I have another one, because now now that you've uncorked this bottle of things that Alice knows about <gasps> the British state and, like, stuff that it's done wrong, uh, that's, that, that's, a, that's a big bottle. Uh, Operation Unthinkable which was uh, a, a sort of 1945 to 46 Churchillian, here of the statues, plan to rearm and reform divisions of former Waffen-SS men in order to, if necessary, reinvade the Soviet Union. Fuck, that's good. No. <laughs> Fuck, that's 100% good. 100% <laughs> a real thing. Operation Unthinkable. Operation Unthinkable. You know they were kind of hedging their bets when they call it that shit, yeah. I mean, I see why they called it that. Well, this is the thing. Churchill, like, uh, contrary to reputation, horrible military plan, and this was one of many times in which he just said some bullshit, and the military (laughs) essentially, like, deep-stated him, and were just like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. So... Damn, that's crazy. We probably should. (laughs) Should I thought you were going to say Bond killing Princess Diana. <laughs> now look closely, 007. It's a regular Fiat Uno. Oh. With an oil slick? Hit this that's switch. why they crashed? Just because Bond did an oil slick? Oh, you know, I'm not willing to make jokes about our princess of arts. So, you know, I've got to stay quiet on this one, I reckon. Uh, the princess God. of arts, c'est moi. <laughs> 
right. Uh, do we have time. any questions left? Or is, have we, we have a the final question. question. All right. Let's go. Seventh inning. Final question. Numerous people have asked, how would you kill James Bond? I would shoot him in the face. I would shoot with him a with gun. a gun. Many opportunities are presented to people. <laughs> Many I would simply, such cases. I would use an ordinary gun and shoot him with it. Yes. <laughs> Just, I, I would, feel like that I would, would do allow, it. I would allow Mr. Bond uh, to first make a series of publicly recorded comments about his mental health and how it was deteriorating, and then uh, kill himself, himself into a bag. <laughs> by shooting himself in the back of the head in, in, in a car uh, and then being found zipped into a bag in pieces in the woods. I think it was a, a, a great tragedy the way James Bond threw himself off his balcony two or three times. Mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd guess higher burn easily. Um, I... You know what? I would, instead of killing James Bond with a gun when I've got him tied to a chair and completely unable to escape, what instead I would do would be pretend to be seduced by him, let him go, fuck him, Classic. get into an aircraft together to attempt to escape from Japan, <laughs> yep. and then pin his hands down with an extremely laughable uh, wooden board and attempt to crash the aircraft. And I think that's a perfect plan that would easily kill James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's well, that'll probably do it. As far as I'm aware, we did it, gang. I tempt him in with a lector decoding machine, right? Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna fade out over this. So I, I just want to make one thing clear, really quickly here. Um, my apologies to everyone who didn't get their question asked. There were like 94 of them, and I picked uh, 16. Worried about not oh, getting wow. enough. Yeah. Now. Obviously, I did handpick these, so if your question wasn't asked, it's because it was bad. So try harder next time. Owned. Thank you. Yes. Aww. We will be doing these regularly. More or less, we're, we're going to do them, what, every 10 episodes? Yeah. Which more or less coincides yeah. with each bond. It'll be every, so, like, yeah, we'll vibe it out. every fifth bonus, that sort of thing, maybe. All right. Well, mm -hmm. thank you for joining us on Kill James Bond, the podcast where we pretend to be seduced by James Bond, have sex with him, uh, fly him in a small plane to attempt to escape from to Japan. Tokyo to attempt to escape from Japan. Uh, extend a wooden desk over his arms and then try What's to. What's funny is that that's safety. a completely solid wooden bar that extends over his arms. So I can only assume that it was stuck out of the side of the Cessna <laughs> when they took off. <laughs> Everyone's uh, like, what's this for? Uh, nothing. It's a, it's a special <laughs> tool. It'll help us later. <laughs> well, bye, everyone. Goodbye.